Hello, everyone. Welcome. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it literally just reminded me I don't have a drink. Hang on. <laughs> Everybody, just just stay calm. We're gonna start you're gonna this. Stick that on the end is like an outtake. <laughs> fuck, fuck! I'm gonna start the goddamn episode off that way. <laughs> Everybody, just be calm. We're gonna start the episode. At some point, Eddie was not ready, and he needs something uh, to uh, satiate his thirst. And I've got my coffee in my Metallica Black Album mug. It's starting to get a little bit scratched up because I use it way too much. But uh, there you go. And then Eddie looks like he has either some water or vodka. I'm not quite sure. But either way, I'm just happy that he has something to drink. And I'm glad that you all were here for this, because this is a very important thing about Cranked and Ranked, is what are we drinking? And then, and okay, no, nobody tell Eddie what I said, okay? Because that's, that's just between us. Okay. <laughs> I, we're already started. We're just, where everyone's having their drinks, you're having your vodka, and I'm having my coffee. Nice. So we will we'll get going. If you if you look appropriately, I mean we're not doing Metallica today, but we we are going to have a bit of a Metallica discussion. Um, we are because if I mean obviously if you're watching this way in the future, this is pointless. But for those of you who keep up with us, it uh, it's timely because we've got a couple weeks until the new Metallica album drops, and we are going to be doing an entire episode just reviewing that album. But that will be a week after it comes out. So we have a, a week to sort of marinate on it. But right now on this particular date, which is April 2nd, uh, 2023, the fourth and probably final Metallica single off of their new album has been released. And that was the title track, 72 Seasons. So Eddie was, was saying we should do an impromptu sort of ranking of the four songs they've released so far. Um, in case anybody just w- is wondering flat out, yeah, I like all four of them. And Same. Of course I do. I've, I've started to do this thing where sometimes I have to let people know, look, I need to remove myself from this Metallica discussion because it's very biased. My, I, I, lo- I just love them in general. So stuff that some people would say is, as Lars would say, stock. I still, I still really love. So I, I, I think I, it's I, fucking stock. <laughs> fucking left the band. So I, so I do, I, I do know, I do realize that you know, I, I, I can't really have, I can have a meaningful discussion with other Metallica fans. Other than that, you know, I know that that's not really a thing I can talk about. But luckily, Eddie and I are both huge Metallica fans. So mm-hmm. the four songs they've released, they did uh, uh, Lux Eterna. Uh, screaming suicide yep what was the third one if darkness had a son if darkness had a son and then now 72 seasons so um let me i gotta think for a second do you know how you would rank yours can you go ahead and start this off because i have to really think for a second this is tricky um and i'm gonna have to like bear some things in mind um should, should i just should i just rattle mine off yeah, yeah. I think I know what my what order, order mine are in. So you just go ahead and do that. Okay. Uh, am I going like favorite to? Let's do it like we do it. Least from, favorite from least favorite okay. to favorite. For me, I'm gonna go 
probably if darkness had a son but i i again as i say fucking love all these four songs yeah that is actually my girlfriend's favorite so it just goes to show you know different tastes sure uh next i'm probably gonna go lux eterna because mm-hmm. you know as 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 in like as a song itself compared to the rest of them it's the most straightforward and it did what it needed to do it was a we're back and holy shit it was a good one to come sure. back with yeah um honestly next i'm gonna go screaming suicide that is just a full-on riff fest and it's exactly the kind of break the speed limit riffage that i enjoy uh-huh. uh but this latest one man like holy shit like the just bombast of it blew me away yeah um i mm. i'm i'm with you for a little bit there my, my number four would be screaming suicide just mm. because it the riffs in it are kind of not very interesting to me and and out of all four songs it's the my least favorite kirk solo because the solo in that song i'm kind of like you could have done a little bit more of that solo um but uh but i do really like that song Mm. um number my my three would also be lux eterna um really really great song but not a lot to it it's just a fun sort of yeah we're back kind of song Uh, my number two would be if darkness had a son I just really like that one. That one is the one that like really grew on me because when I first heard it, I just liked that it was a little bit slower. Yeah. And then once I sort of just listened to it a few times, I'm like, yeah, there's so much about this song that really sticks out as as really cool. But yeah, my number mm. one is definitely 72 Seasons. And it's, and it's literally just because of the chorus. Like mm. I got goosebumps with, with, uh, with the wrath of man. Like it, yeah. it gives me goosebumps. Ding, 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 ding. It's yeah. so good. So, um, and yeah. that filthy pre-chorus bit, like, the halftime bit. But, it, but you, yeah. know, you have to understand, like, I'm the biggest Metallica fan ever, but I still will hear them do stuff and go, it's a little bit similar to this other thing that that you did. So when that pre-chorus comes in, it reminds me of a riff from the end of "Spit Out the Bone." And I'm all like, yep. I'm like, okay. But you know, it's like, yeah. It's you know, it's not word. It's not note for note. Also, um, on on seventy two seasons, I have to I have to give them the the criticism of they do the note thing that I don't like from thrash metal. They do they do a ding ding ding. They do one of those in the riff, and I'm like, come on guys. But uh, yeah. so I have to. I have to be fair because I talk shit about other bands that do that, and Metallica did it. But uh, but like I said, removing myself from a conversation with non-Metallica fans because I don't care. It was a really. It's a really great song. Yeah, I think I think they're at a stage in their career, and you know, kind of have been since their kind of comeback with um, Death Magnetic off the heel of Saint Anger. I think they got to a point now where since then they're only interested in writing really good songs. They're not like, they're not trying to reinvent the wheel. They're not trying to do anything. They're not trying to do anything revolutionary, but the stuff that they're putting out is strong songwriting. I, yeah, I think so too. Do you know, and it's interesting that you brought up death magnetic very recently. Um, I was, uh, 
I was driving home from the st- grocery store and I just had sort of music on shuffle on Apple Music and a, <laughs> yeah. and a song from Death Magnetic came up and it it sounds like they replaced the old version with the Guitar Hero version on Apple Music because I'm really? like I'm like first it was quieter I had to turn yeah. up the volume and then I was like I don't hear any of like the clipping on this song it was uh it was uh mm. I think it was end of the line was a song that I heard. And I was just like, it sounds, it sounds a lot better. Like, I don't know. Did they just secretly go in and like, we've secretly replaced your coffee with, uh, with Colombian yeah. coffee crystals. What? <laughs> Son of a bitch. Have you seen that? The, the Chris Farley thing? I think, I think so a long time ago. That's one of my favorite things. Cause it's like one of those, one of like back in the eighties, they had those commercials. Like it's a secret camera. We're letting them know that they, we replaced their coffee with this decaf coffee or whatever. Or something. Yeah. Yeah. And so the Mater D comes up to Chris Farley. He's like, we replaced your coffee with Colombian coffee (laughs) crystals. And and Chris Farley's, it's like the best acting job ever where he's just like, yeah. What? Son of a billion. He's like, he goes completely crazy. I love that. Anyway, all right. So, yeah, but, but yeah, I was surprised. So, I don't know. I, I, um, if anyone else, you know, listens to Death Magnetic on their streaming services, it, does it sound better? Cause I, um, you know, everyone's gripe is that it's, it's, it was brick walled and it sounds like it's not anymore or at least not as bad as it originally was. Once again, I don't mind that sound i think it's cool but anyway um yeah so that was that was cool our little ranking of the new metallica but we will be going very in depth on the album one week yes well when the episode comes out it'll be about a week and a half since the album came out and we'll you know really discuss it and um yeah, give it give it give it the time it deserves from two huge metallica fans along with the hundreds or thousands of other podcasts that we'll be doing episodes <laughs> on it. We're, we're just another one. But uh, but today, that's not what we're doing. That was just a little treat for everybody. And, you know, for we, we were absent for a week. We might as well give you like a double thing. So there's yeah. a little brief it's ranking. A little appetizer. And now we're doing uh, today's actual episode. The main attraction of today's episode is our top 10 albums of 1979. Mm-hmm. And... This one was pretty interesting for me because um, a number one that I didn't expect is number one, and it's very solid number one for me. Like once I really listened to it again and really thought about it, I'm like, "There's no fucking way any album is number one over this one." <laughs> but um, but there are also some that I'm like, you know, because 1979. There, there were a few albums and even some that didn't make my top 10 that are just those albums put up by bands where they just didn't quite do it for me. It's just not mm. quite there. See, it seemed like that was that kind of year for the most part. But um, in 1979, I was one. So I don't remember hey. anything about it at all. But I do I have... I was I negative have. 19. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, wait. So, like, how, how old would your dad even have been at that point in 1979? Uh, my biological dad would be. He'd be four. He would have been four. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I just, it's so. I, I love that I'm old enough to be your dad, but you know. Yeah. It's, you know, it's a good dynamic. 
I feel like I feel like in a lot of episodes, though, you were the father figure, and I'm just I'm the 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 kid that didn't grow up. Forty forty five year old kid. Um, Explains the crow's feet. <laughs> um, that my, the, the great see you can can you can see my gray right? Does it show up really? That's all gray right there. That's great. That's on cool this side too. Um, it's a, a it's solid just, vibe. It's just you know because my hair is blonde. When you're further away, you can't see the gray in my beard and in my hair and stuff. I'm just ready for it to all go gray because I want to be one of those old men with long gray hair. Luckily, yeah. Luckily, you know, uh, balding doesn't run in my family. So thank God. So hopefully, <laughs> I'll just I'll still have a long head of hair and it'll just be all gray. And I'm just like I'm gonna be that dude, and that's gonna be cool. Anyway, yeah, um, I'm praying that my hairline recedes no further. <laughs> I'm telling you though, if it if it starts to, you got to do the skullet. I mean, just 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 don't don't give <laughs> Devin in. Devin Townsend. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, he ended up cutting his hair anyway, but but he did do the skullet for a little while. Yeah. Um, anyway, 1979. I guess let's I guess let's just jump right into it because we got ten cool. albums each, and it, I mean yeah, interesting year for music. So I guess let's just, without any ado, well, we've had tons of ado. Now no yes. more ado. It's time no for more. Eddie's number 10 album from 1979. Okay. Uh, you know, I'm going to preface my list here with um, I kind of scraped together my list because 1979, as it works out, is just a year that I have grossly neglected music-wise. I mean... There's a couple big albums from it I knew. Yeah. But when I actually went and looked, I was like, holy shit, there's loads of like metal albums from this time I just haven't heard. But uh, yeah, you may notice that this is a pretty big name heavy list. So well, my, my, mine is too. And and those and those yeah. quote unquote metal releases you're talking about, they're mostly albums that I don't care for. Because <laughs> I'm not really, I mean, because like who, who, who could it be? Like Accept or some band like that? I don't know. There's, I know there's, there's there's plenty Except of those riot like lots of lots of like proto 80s speed metal stuff yeah but yeah you cool. know st- stuff that stuff that maybe if i was like 10 years older maybe i would appreciate more but i i unfortunately don't but uh, yeah i got i got a lot of like every every name except for maybe two of them on my list are huge so hmm. well let's let's uh let's jump jump head first into 1979 my number 10 is bomber by motorhead awesome yep one uh, of, two, one of is, two albums they released in 1979 indeed and uh, <laughs> one of two on this list <laughs> oh, oh sweet okay yeah um now this one dropped down a little bit on this list as i feel production wise it doesn't sound as good as overkill um the production is a bit thinner nevertheless it's still killer stuff uh and while motorhead for me usually are a bit more of a hits band you know this the influence they had on so many of my favorite bands cannot be overstated you know? oh hell yeah you know pretty much every band i love beyond this point is influenced in some way but- by motorhead and, and more and more so than like most other bands because you gotta remember that motorhead was a band that the metalheads were into and the punks were into so it's like mm-hmm. the influence like the influence is all over the place with them you could argue they're like the first crossover band i mean it's sure. insane like, yeah like 
it's it's pretty wild to think about. Um, and it's such a shame that like none of this lineup are alive anymore. As far oh, as, no. as far yeah. as that, like yep. they're they're the, the three of them. But um, I mean, look at the track list on this. You got Dead Men Tell No Tales, Stone Dead Forever, Bomber, obviously, and Motorhead are one of those bands that. To me, like they're the heavy metal ACDC. You know what you're getting. Yeah. But they still kick ass with it pretty much every time, you know? Yeah. I agree. Um, so, yeah. I'm, and like I say, it's just kick ass, speedy riff rock with great crossover appeal. Um, and it's a 37 minute long album. Yeah. Like exactly the ballpark of length that this kind of album needs to be, you know? Yeah. Cool. Well, my my number ten is uh, kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum, and okay. uh, and it's an album. It's one of two albums on here that to me are kind of sophomore slump albums, but they're from such strong artists that that I still really like them. So my number mm-hmm. ten is Candy O by the Cars, ah. which was the, it's their second album, and it's really hard to follow up the first cars album because it's basically a greatest hits album and it's one of the most perfect albums ever made. And then candy O has good songs on it and sounds great and is a lot of fun, but it doesn't have the standout tracks for the most part that, uh, the first album does. So nice to look at too. Yeah. Yeah. It's got a a nice (laughs) album cover on it. Um, you know, it's got uh, let's go is like one of the main singles on it. Um, I think it, it. this is the one that ends with Dangerous Type, which is one that I always really liked by the Cars. Um, but yeah, it is one of those things where if you put out just a fucking amazing debut album, it's it's kind of hard to, t- to top that, especially back yeah. in the day when they're like, oh, c- congrats on the success of your album. The next one needs to come out in six months or something, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, so I totally get it. And so, but I still love it. I love the cars and Candio is a lot of fun and a cool, you know, 79 sort of new wave album. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so it ended up being at my number 10. Um, so I, that, that moves us very quickly to your number nine. Nice. So, you know, I, I mentioned, a, a, an artist in my previous placement, uh, that wasn't Motorhead and that is... ACDC. Oh, ACDC. With, with Highway to Hell. Um, it's a Copyright. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a classic. Like you know, again, ACDC are more of a hits band for me. I you know I like them, but they haven't quote unquote happened for me yet. I yeah. find that there's there's bands that I hear for a long time and they don't quite click with me. And then one day I'm in exactly the right time and place, and I'll hear something and I'll be like, oh well, now I have to have every album. They you know? that that's that happened to me this year. They've really clicked with me this year. And yeah. um yeah, my I have most of their albums up until the nineties. So but mm-hmm. just a couple couple more to get. But yeah, if it's 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 happened for me where I put on one of their any of their albums and I just have such a fucking great time. So they've become that kind of band for me. So Yeah. 
Well, that was that was like me with Kiss when we did the uh, um, Kiss episodes a while back. Yeah. And like I'd always like I knew a few albums pretty well, but like once we did the deep dive, I was like, oh, I love all of this. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I've I've been on a Kiss kick as of late. Um, but yeah, like I was saying, ACDC, Highway to Hell, uh, Mutt Lang at the desk, and Bon Scott's final vocal performances on a studio album. Yep. It takes a couple beers these days for the title track to have any effect on me because I've just heard it so many times. That being said, like the deeper tracks on this album, I mean... If, me, you, want, if you want Bloods on there. Yep. Highway to Hell, yeah, Girls Got Rhythm, yeah. Walk All Over You, Touch Too Much, man, um, Beating Around the Bush, Shot Down in Flames, Get It Hot, Love Hungry Man, Night Prowler, I mean, it's just great yep. rock and roll, you know, me likey. <laughs> Same. Yeah, it's just pretty unfuckwithable, and for its time, it was, it was, you know, a gold standard of, you know, this is what works. <laughs> Absolutely. And, so, I, yeah. and, and that and I think that was their most successful album to date. So that that that's that their whole story about that time period is crazy because they had their most successful album, their vocalist dies, they decide to scramble and get a new vocalist and then put out an even bigger album. Like that is yeah. like how how many bands have done that? I, I can't think of another one. Like sure, Van Halen was successful when they replaced David Lee Roth, but they didn't put out an album bigger than 1984. So um Faith No More when they got Mike Patton, maybe? Well, yeah, but, but like, Introduce Yourself wasn't a huge album. See what I'm saying? Like, that's the, like that's following the up a huge album, replacing a singer and having a bigger album. Like that, I think yeah. that's just ACDC, but you know. Back in Black's pretty cool. Cr- yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, well, that, let's quickly move to my number nine because this the, ne- the next couple albums I'm going to talk about are uh, probably not in a lot of people's lists that listen to my uh, shows and stuff. Um, but this one is super influential to me and a lot of bands I love. Um, and it, on it, on other programs, this is one of those albums that like the real douchebaggy music people will be talking about a lot, but it's warranted. Um, the debut album from Gang of Four, which is called Entertainment. And they, this is a fucking killer album. It's post-punk angular riffs stopping and starting it's literally an album that you know tom morello has said like this album is one of my biggest influences and and i i it's it's mine too on guitar because it really there's the shit that they do that i love because it's so rhythmic and kind of it's it's so odd and for its time it it, to me it seems more punk than punk albums because the punk albums are still very sort of straightforward and trying to be catchy and gang of four. We're not trying to do that at all. Like they had, they had a message to get across. They had these weird ideas that on paper probably just didn't seem very good, but it's a really, really great album. And it led to, you know, down the line bands like Fugazi and stuff like that. So um, it's super important album to me that, that being said, the ones that are all above it, you know, it's a pure enjoyment level. It's like so high from literally every other album <laughs> from here on that this one I don't go to very often. But anytime I hear a song from it, I, I can feel its influence on me. And it's just great. 
it's just sounds really good. The the um, I, I I got to, I got to see Gang of Four in the early two thousands when the original lineup reunited, and wow. they they were fucking great. And then soon after that, the singer was kicked out again, and they toured as Gang of Four. I think there were two different bands doing Gang of Four, and then the guitar player passed away, and I think it's everything's no more at this point. But I was I was very lucky to get to see them do their reunion. And it was uh, a lot of fun. Anyway, um, great album, very influential album, Entertainment by Gang of Four. On to you. Very nice. Um, well, I've I've got the old Gang of Three over here with uh, my second Motorhead album, uh, and that is Overkill. Um, <laughs> I'm doing you didn't see it, but my feet were going, man. <laughs> I love that song because it does that fake ending where you think it's going to end yeah. and then the double kick starts again. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Exactly the sort of thing I would do at band practice to annoy everybody else in the room. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, wait for him to, like, just about to talk and then, so yeah, I was thinking, <laughs> song's not over. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I mean, the, the title track alone garners this album classic status. I mean, think about the amount of thrash bands that heard the opening song and thought, right, well, that's our personality from here <laughs> yeah. on in. Yeah, like, <laughs> Let's do an entire album of that. Yeah, yeah. It, it, at varying levels of speed. Yeah. Uh, but stay clean. I won't pay. Sorry. I won't. Pay your price. I'll be your sister. Capricorn, no class. Damage case. Yep. Covered by the boys. Well, so well, so is Overkill. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was getting there. Yeah. yeah. Tear, tear you down, Metropolis, limb from limb. I mean, this is thirty-five minutes of ass whooping rock and roll. Yeah. Uh, it, again, it, it it sounds better than Bomber, so that's why it it. it ascended the list so to speak it, yeah and i've kind of loaded the bottom part of my list with the meat and potatoes undeniably awesome but straightforward stuff the the next uh seven places we're gonna we're gonna branch out a lot more but uh you know i just wanted to give them their credit because of their you know both huge bands that have a sound and do it very well yeah better than anyone else can yeah um so yeah that's just three ass kicking rock and roll albums i'm uh i'm glad that you included both those motorhead albums because both of them didn't make my top 10 um mm -hmm. but but here's here's where like the you know the the real metal folk will get mad because i didn't include a motor <laughs> i didn't include a motorhead album but my number eight album is off the wall by michael jackson hey a and i love this album it's, it's a good one. Quite possibly my favorite Michael Jackson album. Now, like I was that I was that age where when Michael Jackson blew up big, I was a little kid and I got swept up in it. And I loved him. I remember like mm -hmm. I bought a Jackson Five compilation that came with a glove, and I would wear the glove all the fucking time. Um, Hell yeah! I, I, <laughs> I loved Michael Jackson, and I still do enjoy a lot of his stuff. And um, 
Off the Wall is just so good. And I think a reason I like Off the Wall is because I don't think it was an album that was expected to be really big. And I think when they did when he did Thriller and and Bad and you know and so on and so on, there was this anticipation of like, oh, it's Michael Jackson, it's gonna be big. But off the wall is like there's still a little bit of a of a laid back quality to it. Almost like there was no pressure on this album. And it's just filled with with amazing songs and an amazing vocal performance from Michael Jackson. And um I mean, you can't deny like "Rock with Rock with You" is like just a oh, fucking yeah. amazing song, but um, yeah, I don't really have a lot to add. Michael Jackson is somebody you can go all anywhere on the internet and have people talk about him negatively and positively. Um, you make up your own mind about all of that, but um, I really, really like this. Off, the, I enjoy "Off the Wall" so much that it just had to go in here at number eight, um, and um, that pretty much. Everything we're rock and roll from here on out for me, um, in uh, in in my list. But yeah, I had to give off the wall a, a little bit of a nod because it's I, I it's just everything about it still sounds great today. So uh, that's my number eight. Nice. Um, so here we are with a little bit of um, Irish representation, and we thin have Lizzie? we do have Thin Lizzy <laughs> with Black Rose. All right. Yeah. Uh, so this this album right here, I mean, Thin Lizzy are fucking awesome. Yeah, I'm still working my way through their discography, but like, I've never heard a Thin Lizzy song that hasn't impressed me. You know, sure. I, every time I hear one, I'm like, those twin leads and the harmonies and the charismatic delivery. It's just a perfect storm, and it's very identifiable. Yeah. Um. You know, I knew knew all of the hits, but you know in the spirit of these year episodes that we do and their looser nature, I like to listen to albums in bulk to, you know, make sure my picks are conclusive. And I wasn't disappointed with this one because it's a damn good album. Yeah. Um, like, the, like I say, the charismatic Hendrix-esque vocal delivery of Phil Lynott uh, and the twin guitars of Scott Gorham and Gary Moore, uh, is on this album so uh <laughs> gary, gary yeah. moore who just can't take a good picture <laughs> every single album cover from gary moore he looks awkward as fuck <laughs> well i guess is easy passed away rest in peace sir but you looked awkward on every album cover <laughs> yeah like it, the thing is it, i don't know how someone so badass could like take so many bad pictures <laughs> like, yeah <laughs> but i mean oh, if you ever heard out in the fields you know that Pro- probably i don't know oh, by name i don't know it great song <laughs> but yeah it's um do anything you want to toughest street in town waiting for an alibi got to give it up and you know of course the title track it's just awesome source yeah you know? it's just really really great rock with that kind of they have a very unique um harmonization going on and it's almost kind of folky but it's done in a rock way yeah uh, I, you know I've, I've always liked thin lizzy um and they're a band that i get more into as the years go by i i have know, to every- i have to admit i aside from jailbreak the, the the albums kind of surrounding that i only know random songs um i, I haven't hmm. I've, I've never really found myself getting into them yet 
but I but I do I mean I own Jailbreak on vinyl because I feel like you kind of have to. <laughs> it's like, yeah, like that's the thing though. Like that, there's there's this thing of like they've got their first three albums and then Nightlife is where people really consider them you know taking off. Yeah. Fighting is a great album. Um, I still need to listen to the likes of Johnny the Fox, Bad Reputation, Chinatown, Renegade, Thunder and Lightning. I've heard quite a few songs off because that was kind of. That was when my friend pointed to me, said, hey, look, this is their metal album. They've got John Sykes on guitar for that one. But And, it's some, and, know, it's, and at some point, Phil Lynott left and some other dude was singing. Um, I, I, I haven't heard those albums at all, but I, I've heard that that's a thing. Yeah, I, I haven't, like, again, like I say, I'm still working my way through. Yeah. But I've... I've consistently heard good stuff. Clearly, we need and to eventually do a Thin Lizzy ranking. That way, we can both become very uh, acquainted with the catalog. So, yeah, I feel like this is going to be one of those things that like happened with you and Judas Priest, where it's like we're going to do a deep dive, and then somewhere down the line, we're both just going to be obsessed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't, that's the you. I, I I don't know where the judas priest thing came well i know where it started it started because i kept wanting to go back and listen to turbo <laughs> and then and then i'm like this is great i'm gonna listen to the albums around turbo and i was like i really like these too it's just one of those things where where sometimes music just needs you to kind of let go and just have a yeah. beer and just let it kind of happen around you and when you do that with judas priest and there's not that added thing of like we're metal if it's literally just no, yeah. no, no, just let this music you know be, then I'm just like, yeah, this is it's undeniably great shit. That's always been like the 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 thing with Judas Priest for me is that whenever they bring up the fact that they're a, a metal band, they they lay it on like cartoonishly thick. That, that, I think like, that's my problem, yeah. and I'm just like, yeah. look, just make some <laughs> metal songs, but you don't have to go overboard with it. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like Rob. I know, yes. You're very metal. We've got ten thousand heavy metal maniacs here tonight. Yeah, you know, and it's like awesome. Feel free to do some hard rock on the side. Feel free to do whatever the hell you want. You don't need to just conform to this one narrow thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll, we'll see. I, the the one of the guitar players in his description of their new, new album, he used the word proggy, and so I'm just like. Hmm. <laughs> We'll see what this new Judas Priest sounds like, but I'm interested, and it'll be the first Judas Priest album to come out while I've like I'm legit a fan. So I'm, you know, we'll see how that goes. We're not even talking yeah. about Judas Priest, but we got there. <laughs> <laughs> that they may be on one of our lists. You never know, because they did put um, out an, uh, a live album in that particular year, and you are, have uh, never been opposed to including live albums on your lists. Well, you know, especially with the '90s stuff, because it's it's '90s, sorry, '70s stuff. I mean, um, yeah, you jump, sorry, you got, jump got, forward got, a couple of decades. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this Coke is great. <laughs> um, <laughs> now it's um, I'll 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 hold my fire there for a moment. I'll, I'm gonna okay. let you do your number seven. Are, are you done with Thin Lizzy? Mm-hmm. Okay, number seven. This is a we're getting into territory where this is these are some of these are massive fucking albums, um, and mm -hmm. this one was no exception. But it's a classic, and I love it. Uh, Damn the Torpedoes by Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Yep the the breakthrough Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers album 
with uh, that's the one with refugee, right? Refugees on here, yeah. Yeah. Um, but it, but then there's 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 several hits on this album, and but that's the thing is it it is one of those albums that does have a lot of his well known songs, but it also the the album cuts are also very strong. Entire album is very strong, and I love Tom Petty. To me, he's one of the best songwriters ever, and yeah, this is really like. I mean, if you if you know the story of Tom Petty, like the the, the first couple albums, it was kind of like you know, I guess a lot of bands were that way back in the seventies, where there was a lot of like, is this going to catch on? Are we going to end up being dropped from our label? Is you know, because they because they they had already experienced like a shitload of success over in in England, so they went to England mm. and they were like the fucking Beatles, and then they come back home and they're playing to like a club. And, you know, it's like, it was weird for them. But then finally with Damn the Torpedoes, they all everywhere, they fucking yeah. blew up. And I just love the, you know, I know that eventually, like, he ended up replacing people in the Heartbreakers. But I love the original lineup of the Heartbreakers and, and the original drummer. Because he, he had a very, like, laid back drumming style. Almost like he, I seem to really like drummers where they almost feel like they're kind of behind the beat a little bit when they play and it, it, in that, it always felt that way. And it gives it a real sort of like smooth vibe. You're like, yeah, Yeah. like this is effortlessly awesome. It's not, you know, it's, it's, he, he knows, he knows his way around a kit. He doesn't have to rush it. You know, I always get that vibe with uh, Vinny Appice, you know, fuck yeah. And yeah, 100% just barely makes it to the next beat, you know, but it gives such a feel to it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so yeah, it, it's, it, I don't have, what the fuck can I say about it? It's an absolute classic album and it's, uh, it's, uh, I love it. Damn the Torpedoes by Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers is my number seven. Very nice. Well, you know, I'm, I'm just going to jump back to our, uh, previous words about Judas Priest <laughs> with Unleashed in the East. <laughs> nice, nice. This album to me is how how kiss albums feel about alive is how i feel about unleashed in the east oh kiss fans yeah yeah sorry sorry yeah kiss fans sorry blah, blah, blah. yeah because a lot of those early kiss recordings that you know they're kind of slower they're the production is you know it's quite clear that it's a studio recording whereas on alive granted they did overdubs but it's still yeah. got the energy of like and the bombast of a live show. Yeah. And the same applies here because I got into Judas Priest through their 80s stuff, mm-hmm. as did as did you. Yeah. And um, I always found their 70s albums production to be really underwhelming. Um, Especially you know, the first three, for sure. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. Hell, I, 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 would say, I would even say I prefer the production on Sin After Sin to... Um, stained class because I, I was always like there's no low end here however yeah you know i i fucking love the songs on them so to hear them with the stuff that their studio equivalents are missing on unleashed in the east just yeah. adds such a uh, such a oomph to it that it you know the studio albums kind of lack for me um, you're not wrong you're not wrong really i, I do like I've, i told you i love the way those early albums sound even though you can any any gripes about them i go yeah you got a point but i i love the way that they sound but you do have a point that their music did need a little more 
I don't know. Yeah. Uh, so something else to, to, to make the energy really come across. Yeah. Like a prime example is Exciter and you hear the crowd noise during the fall to your knees and repent if you please. Like that part on the, on the album, on the album version of it, I think that's cool. When I hear it in that setting, I think, hell yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, it, it goes from like, you know, driving fast but the speed limit to completely disregarding the speed limit you know and i i just fucking love um how big it sounds you know compared to the albums because i'm hyper aware on the 70s releases that i'm listening to an album it's it's not it's not taking me anywhere whereas this album i'm experiencing their music as it's intended yeah live raw loud and spacious you know there's also something about the 70s live albums that can never be recreated again because Mm -hmm. the 70s was a time where there was no mtv there was no internet obviously whereas now you can just find footage of a band online or in the 80s you could sometimes see live footage of them on television but in the 70s it was like there was like a special thing of like Either you didn't see them in concert, here's your experience, or you saw them in concert, here's your chance to relive this thing that you can only get once a year. Now you can yeah. put it on your turntable and have it right there, have the experience. So it's like there's something special about 70s live albums that I really enjoy. Yeah, for, for me, I, I, I've found that as well. If, if there's a live album, which is, is, a, is kind of a niche, really, compared yeah. to studio albums, but... I've found as I've gotten older, I've really grown to appreciate live albums as, you know, for what they are, concerts that you can experience in the comfort of your own home or your car or wherever you listen to music. Yeah. But this this has become my go-to 70s Priest album because I think to myself, I'm getting pretty much the greatest hits of their 70s material with the bombast they deserve you know yeah um so so yeah that this for me it's my favorite 70s judas priest album and um i'm kicking my my younger self for not realizing it sooner that yeah. this was to, to my ears what i should have been listening to you know yeah. their studio albums of the 70s great uh influential but sonically if i want to be really blown away away by the songs this is the album i'm reaching for yeah i'm i'm, I'm getting pretty close i'll end up getting that one but i'm getting pretty close to filling in the gaps of 70s and 80s well i have all the 80s judas priest albums now 70s mm-hmm. i think i only need sin after sin and stained class i think those are the only two i don't have and then obviously eventually i'll get unleashed in the east but i do my my whole thing is that like it's I set up on Discogs and I just sort of wait and cherry pick and try to find somebody who has a good quality seventies pressing for mm-hmm. an affordable price and then I jump on it and I'll get it. Um, and fortunately, I feel like a lot of people. I, I live in a very unique vinyl collector area that I think a lot of people don't play around in because I think that there are two types of people. There are people that if they get something that's old, they want it to be in mint condition or Mm -hmm. they just want it to be a brand new pressing. I don't want either one of those things. I want VG plus. 
I want there to be a little bit of surface marks on it. I want the, the, the cover to be well-loved, but I want it to be absolutely playable with not very much noise. And so mm-hmm. I go for those. And so it seems like a lot of time in the 70s albums, they're just there for affordable prices because most vinyl collectors are like, not holding out for a mint that I won't open up. And I'm like, fuck that. I'm going to play the fuck out of these records. So yeah, enjoy I've, not enjoying it. <laughs> yeah. So I've so I've you know I've been able to build my collection of, of a lot of cool bands just because I've learned that the sh- the way that I enjoy records it seems like that's a small amount of us that are like that. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm loving the Judas Priest experience right now with my uh, with my collection. But I re- I really do think those are the only two that I need. What's what's that? What are their so they're out, okay? So there's Rockerola. I have that. Then yep. there's then it's what's the second? Is the second one sin after sin? Uh, second one's sad wings of destiny. I need that one too. I need sad wings, ah. sin after sin, and stay in class. I think that's it. Cool. Are you gonna are you gonna try and get a hold of uh, both versions of uh, Hellbent for Leather? Because there's nah, there's two. I just have I just have the American one, the Hellbent one. Yeah. Um, honestly, I think that's a, I think that's a much better album title for that album. Really, Killing Machine yeah. doesn't quite fit the vibe of the album as well as Hellbent nah. for Leather, Leather does. I always I always thought that too, especially considering there's like a leather dude on the front, you know. <laughs> yeah, but it's the same thing with yeah. I, when I bought uh, when I bought uh, um, Force No f- uh, some Point of Entry. When I bought Point of Entry, I bought the U.S version that just looks like fucking printer paper because <laughs> either way the album covers make me go what but like that one in particular i'm like what is this supposed to be why is it just a row of printer paper i don't know yeah <laughs> anyway what, what so yeah so your number is that your number six um unleashed that, in the yes East? that is my number six sweet uh my number six another well, this isn't as big as their previous album, but I think for fans of this band, this this album is still fucking huge. Uh, Dream Police by Cheap Trick. The album that followed them blowing up with Live at Budokan. Um, because they, like, that was, and there was another, Cheap Trick was another band that had sort of mild su- success, then put out this live album, Live at Budokan, and yeah. blew up. And then the next album they put out after that was uh i think that that's the timeline wasn't it yeah anyway i don't know maybe maybe <laughs> there were may- some real faces right there may- maybe maybe have maybe heaven <laughs> tonight came out after Budokan, but i don't know but anyway they followed up with dream police which to me is a fantastic album and it's got a couple of tracks that i'm just like man these dudes didn't give a fuck there's like a like a 10 minute kind of moody dancey number on it and i just i love it's not 10 minutes it's like eight i think but um i just i love the fact that there's these big old rock anthems and then every once in a while they'll be like yeah fuck it we're gonna do something left field because we don't care we're a cheap trick and there it's nothing but huge songs on this album and in many ways it's like their biggest sounding album i think i really do think yeah because like Heaven Tonight is has packed full of great songs, but I think production-wise, Dream Police blows it out of the water. And it's just a great... I mean, Cheap Trick's a band that eventually... I think that you'll you'll find your way into Cheap Trick, especially the 70s Cheap Trick, because yeah. um, massive amounts of fun is what their mm. 70s stuff is. So yeah, number six, Dream Police by Cheap Trick. 
Yeah, because I, I do need to dip more into them. Um, I've heard in color. Um, yep. Which is great. Yeah. Yeah, I, d I definitely need to dive deeper into Cheap Trick. We'll get around to Cheap Trick at some point. Hell yeah, that's yeah. sure. It's not, they're on the list. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, right. Okay, so. Top five. I'm, yes. I'm noticing that this is a pretty um, all over the world kind of list. I mean, we've got Motorhead UK. Uh, ACDC, Australia, uh, Black Rose, sorry, Thin Lizzy, Ireland, yep. um, Judas Priest, Britain again. Uh, but now we have a Canadian band, and we have Just a Game by Triumph. Oh, so, th so this is a band that I know almost nothing about. So yeah, mm. this is cool. And it was a band that I almost knew nothing about until I heard this album quite recently actually and um it plays like a hybrid of everything great about 70s hard rock bands you know there's some boston in there some zeppelin some aerosmithy kissy type stuff some boogie rock a la fog hat and 38 special some subtle rush vibes and the, you know there's even a hint of the coming hair metal sound in there so that is pretty much just a yeah. fucking melting pot of all the stuff I love about this era of rock and roll and heavy metal. And yeah. It, it's just a great all-rounder late 70s Canadian hard rock album. I mean, I mean, the big hit off it was Lay It On The Line, but songs like Moving On, Young Enough To Cry, American Girls, I mean, Just A Game. Even even has like a, like a weird track at the end, Suitcase Blues. Like, this is just great. You know, it's 36 minutes, so it's not yeah. it's not a taxing listen. Um, it pretty much just opens up and goes, hey, you know this uh, 70s hard rock stuff? This decade fucking ruled, huh? Well, uh, we're going to close it out with this stuff. And wow. Yeah, I was really impressed. I'm also going to turn the light on because even though... Hey. Even though we have sunlight, it's pretty dark in here yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, um they, i, I yeah. recently they uh banger films did a documentary on triumph and i haven't seen it yet but like oh, every wow. every documentary that they've done has been fucking brilliant because they did obviously they did you know originally like metal they had bangers journey and stuff like that but then they did the rush documentary which is amazing and then they did an alice cooper one as well and they did zz top all three of those Fucking wow. great. But then this most recent one is is Triumph. I think it's Triumph. I'm probably getting it wrong. But uh, no, that makes sense <laughs> because they're Canadian. Sam Dunn is Canadian. It makes sense that like that's that they did this one. But uh, I've been meaning to watch that. And I know that once I do, that's when it's, the bug's going to hit me. And I'm be like, oh, God damn it. I'm into another band now. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, that's another, you know. 50 60 quid i have to spend on getting a band's discography yeah possibly well, fuck, more fuck six yeah. i know <laughs> yeah well, Def well it depends if i if i run into it in the wild probably looking online is gonna rack it up oh fuck i know i yeah. don't yeah i can't i don't ever find anything when i go to record stores that's why when everyone's like i'm gonna wait to find that at a record store i'm like you're going to die you're going to die not <laughs> finding that album <laughs> Yeah. Especially somebody like me, but I don't like going out of my house very often, so shit. You should have seen my face light up when I found a vinyl of load in a in a record shop. Oh in, hell yeah. In the Midlands. And I was just like, 
I've had reload on vinyl for so long, and I was just like, this is taunting me. You know, when when I got Use Your Illusion, I got both at the same time. I saved up so I didn't have to have one without the other. I just bulk bought. Yeah. Um, but Reload, I found it, and I was like, ah, it shouldn't take me too long. And then two years down the line, I finally find Load in the Wild, and I'm like, that was that was rough. <laughs> <laughs> Um, where, yeah. did, what, where were we at now? I, I was. Oh, you, you did Triumph. Uh, yeah, Triumph. Just a game. My number five. Cool. My uh, my number five is a, a very uh, I slept on album by this particular band, and it's from a very tumultuous, I guess if that's the right word, uh, point in their career. My number five is Ooh. Night in the Ru- is Night in the Ruts by Aerosmith, Ooh. and I love. I mean, I love every Aerosmith album. But there's something that happened because they made these albums that are like classics. Toys in the Attic, Rocks, great fucking albums. But then mm-hmm. they do albums like Draw the Line and, and this one, Night in the Ruts, where there was so much drama happening in the band. In fact, during Night in the Ruts, during the recording of it is when Joe Perry quit the band. He's still on mm. the album cover, but then you watch like a music video from it and it's got... Another dude, uh, what the fuck was his name? He was only on, in there for a few years, but like anyway, um, I, he's I, I would normally know his name, but I uh, I'm spacing. Anyway, so um, <laughs> Night in the Ruts is just it's more great Aerosmith stuff, but there's like some really fucking amazing song. There's a song called Chiquita on this album that just has one of those riffs and just like fuck yeah, man, I love and it's and it sounds like it's drop D every time I listen to the album. I'm like. Is Aerosmith doing a song in Drop D? But because uh, I really <laughs> think it is. But uh, anyway, it's just such a fun, cool album, and it just goes to show you that even when everything was kind of going wrong, they managed to put out albums that I, I guess if you're really like trying to be like critical and be like, well, this was, you know didn't wasn't as successful as uh, as Toys in the Attic. I'm like, well, yeah. I mean, but how can you? How can you make an album more successful than that? <laughs> you know, it's, yeah, well, yeah. They, I guess they ended up doing that, but still, um, they just still put out such amazing just rock albums with you know these bluesy elements and these really fun songs, and just the vibe is always there. And yeah, um, I love yeah, I love Night in the Ruts. It's a fucking great Aerosmith album, and um, yeah. I don't, I don't have much more to add. I wore my Aerosmith shirt today for that very reason, because I knew that, you know, of course Aerosmith ends up on a list if they have an album out in that particular year. Um, but there are four albums that I think are better than Night in the Ruts, and so let's mm. move on to our top four of 1979. Okay, so my number four is probably the the biggest departure, uh, but it, it's not even probably, it's, it's definitely... This is the biggest stylistic departure from heavy rock on this uh, list. Uh, and I am going with the Yacht Rock classic, Christopher Cross. Oh. Christopher Cross. Oh, that al- almost made my top ten. It is... I'm, I'm a sucker for Yacht Rock. I mean, sometimes I want to stop headbanging and just chill for a moment. And this is just pure 10 out of 10 vibage. Yeah. Um, I mean, Say You'll Be Mine, 
I really don't know anymore. Never be the same. Ride like the wind. Ironically covered by Saxon, which is a heavy band. So, <laughs> uh, but um, sailing is on this album. Yeah, yeah. So that song alone gives it gives Amazing. it so much yeah. so much uh, weight to it because that's that's one of those songs that just that just the little keyboard part starting. Yeah. If I hear that, I'm just like. Oh shit! Yeah, it just feels so good. It's such a great song, yeah. and I'm I can I can never hear this and not bring it up. Chorus effect on a clean guitar. Yeah, Chef's Kiss, Chef's Kiss, my guy. Um, yeah, and I'm also always thrilled to hear Michael McDonald on anything. You know, he's on Ride Like the Wind, right? Yeah, and uh, I really don't know anymore as well. I oh, okay. really don't know. I mean, really, what what album in that period was Michael yeah. McDonald not on? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, he was everywhere. There's a Family Guy scene that me and my friends always used to joke about, you know, and we would do the Michael McDonald doing backup vocals for everybody, we everything we said. You know? Yeah. So when, so when someone started talking... So it, it, every now and again, we just throw it in and it just crack everybody up. I was like, so I started talking to this girl in third. So I started talking to this girl in third period. <laughs> it's like then, and then it would completely change the like conversation. Yeah, it was like, oh for fuck's sake, Eddie did the fucking Michael McDonald again. Yeah, how's it gonna know what we're saying? That's a pretty good impression. I'm not know. bad. Not bad. It's not horrible. No, nah. <laughs> yeah. I mean it's not. It's no, no. Phil Anselmo, but I mean it's still pretty oh, good. Oh no! <laughs> <clears throat> Walk on home, boy. Ah, uh, oh, that was that they, wasn't my they best. Keep, they keep canceling my goddamn concerts. <clears throat> what's what's the one I did ages about ages ago that was just like? <laughs> it was like Kyle Rittenhouse is innocent. (laughs) 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 Just like saying anything that's like boomer redneck material is just sounds great in the in the Phil Anselmo voice. I'm not saying that that's what he thinks when I say that. It just it just works. We took the we took the song and made the whole damn song the money riff. That's a, that, that's one of those things where I just like I I I can't uh, anyone's opinion one way or the other about Phil Anselmo. I'm all like, you got a point. <laughs> Whether it's just like I oh, give the guy a break. He's you know he's he he apologized and he's you know, he's a classic metal frontman. You got a point. But he seems like Wait. a total douchebag. You got a point. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He also fucked my girlfriend last night. <laughs> yeah, that's not ni- that's not nice at all, especially while like, yeah. while, while you were asleep. Jeez, that's like yeah, that sucks. Anyway, he smacked her ass. I'm so I'm uh, I'm looking forward to being able to see that new Pantera version. Um, just because I want to be able to have an opinion from being in the room while they're playing, and how mm. do I how do I feel about it? So uh, that'll that'll be August. Yeah. That'll be a, it's a little while from now. For me, I'm very much of the mindset of you know that the Abbott brothers aren't going to be there, but you're gonna you're gonna hear Pantera performed live via you know uh, at least half the 
classic lineup. But this is and coming with, it's coming from the guy that just said on an episode that um, Zach Wilde's band was the worst band I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, you said that <laughs> I did, and they were they were fucking awful. Um, and and all of all of the video I've seen of the Pantera thing, my gripe about it is his guitar playing. Not that he's not a good guitar player. It just seems like he doesn't quite get what's great about Pantera riffs because there there's something missing, mm. something really big missing from the way he plays the riffs. And maybe nobody can do it. Maybe nobody can do it right. I don't know. There was just a certain Van Halen-esque swagger yes. between... And you could... I mean, even down to the fact that they're brothers, you know? Alex and Eddie, Vinny and Dime. Yeah. That I think it was just in their blood at this point. Like, yeah. The, yeah. the swing they had... There was more going on there, I, yeah. I think. Yeah, and, I'm, and yeah. I'm not, I have no problem with them doing this. I know I'm probably going to enjoy it, and I'm looking at it more of a, as a tribute than a, than an actual show or actual, you know, Pantera performance. But at the same time, I'm, you know, I mean, I'm the, the only reason I'm seeing them is because they're opening for Metallica. So I mean, it's just you know, you know, otherwise I never would have gone. But I, at least this way, I do get to be able to um, have, an, have an informed opinion of, of how it felt being in the room, you know. Very nice. Anyway. Yeah. Number four. It, not Pantera, yeah, my, because they hadn't even put out an <laughs> album in 1979. See, this is what I love about this show. We can go on a fucking tangent from Christopher Cross and land on Pantera. Oh, how did that happen? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, because like, you, you, you did the Michael McDonald impression. That's how it happened. Yeah. There it is. Um, so, yeah, it's a great album. Um and it's green with a flamingo on it. And I like the way that looks too. Albums, the whole package when it comes to Yacht Rock. It's, it's almost just, like he nailed Yacht Rock and then nobody else can do it as good anymore. Like, it's just like, nah, they, mm-hmm. they, this is it. If you want Yacht Rock, just listen to this album and then just move on to something mm-hmm. else. Bingo. Um, well, that wraps up... Um, that wraps up my number four. Cool. In my case number four. You wanted to add anything? No, no. I, I like that album. It's not on my list though. But my number four, okay. you actually already talked about. Uh, my number four is "Highway to Hell" by ACDC. Wow, we we really t- we took a long time to have a matchup. Yeah, yeah. You that's know, I guess that's, a the, very that's the only list. matchup we've had. I have a feeling we're going to have one, maybe two more. I um, think so. But uh, yeah, "Highway to Hell" to me is a fantastic album. And yeah, it's the production's great on it. So many great songs on it. Um, bon Scott's amazing on it. Everybody's amazing on it. It's just the, it's just the yeah. band. The band hit a peak around this time. Um, and I mean, they they've they've all, they've still always been great in my opinion. But there's something about like that sweet spot um, of you know around this time, the late '70s, early '80s, um, ACDC that I just think is so fucking good. And yeah, I don't have a lot to add from what you said. Highway to Hell, classic songs, amazing album, a lot of fun. If you know, it's they're one of those bands. There's, I mean, literally, there's three. The ne- the next two bands I'm going to talk about after this are also those bands. Where I'm like, if I just want to put on a record and have a good time, I know that ACDC are there for me. And Highway to Hell is one of those albums, so it's my number four. Awesome. Um, so we've entered. The top three. Mm-hmm. And I have a sneaking suspicion that two of these are going to be the same in our list. 
Okay, let's find out. I'm, I, I, I'm certain of one. Okay. Um, Placement-wise, may differ. Yeah. However, however, there's definitely two that haven't come up yet from either of us that, that I'm like, <laughs> no way, he's not going to not have this on there. So uh, You're probably right. My my number three is Van Halen 2. Also my number three. Hey! <laughs> Not only Look at we, that! Yeah, matched up at number three, but yeah, Van Halen 2, also my number three. Beautiful. That was beautiful. Yeah, um, yeah. So yeah. Um, yeah, it's Van Halen's second album. Uh, perhaps doesn't have the game-changing weight of the debut. Not at all. <laughs> no. <laughs> However, yeah. you know, it, you know. Plus, its its opening track is a little bit of a false start, in my opinion. Yeah. But once this once this album gets going, it's fucking rad. Yeah. Um, Dance the night away. Somebody get me a doctor. Dead or alive. Beautiful girls. Women in love. It's just great hard rocking, good time shit. It yep. Kicks ass. Van Halen kicks ass, man. They 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 do. <laughs> You're not lying. Is the most American thing I've ever said. <laughs> <laughs> Van Halen kicks ass, man. Uh, Everybody but, get um, in my Camaro. <laughs> oh, man. Van Halen showing us, you know, they're not just a flash in the pan, and they're going to continue to kick your ass with a new album pretty much every year <laughs> until 83 yeah. before coming back with 84 and doing it again. And there's... There is just an ins- there is just a wealth of good shit from you know that six album span. Um, yeah, well, I, but, I mean, yeah. I'll, I'll I'll go on record and say that there is no Van Halen album that I don't like that I don't think. I mean, we did we did a ranking, and even even Van Halen two was lower on my list, but even then, yeah, I had a shitload of praise for it. Like it's just, it's a fucking this great could album. Be- this could be any other band's best album. Yeah, and it, but it does. It does. Yeah. It's the same thing that I was saying with uh, the Cars way earlier on, where you follow an iconic debut album. There's no yeah. way it's going to be as good. And so putting them next to each other, sure, Van Halen two is kind of a bummer, but on its own, I'm just mm. like, yeah, it's still fucking Van Halen from this period where it was just all piss and vinegar. You know, it's like. It's just, uh, it, it's just so much, yeah. Like it, it's the same thing I said with ACDC. You put on, to me, any Van Halen album, Hagar or Roth, and I'm gonna have a, a good time. And yeah, Van Halen, yeah, Van Halen two is just fucking great. Yeah, it's, yeah. I don't know what else to say. It's just I, I, I love the sound of these albums. I love the performances. I just love hearing. That's the thing that I've really noticed recently. You know, going in and like for the most part, getting all the Van Halen I can on vinyl. And like every time I listen to whatever album it is, I've realized that my fandom doesn't lie in Roth or Hagar. I Mm. like hearing those three guys playing together. Like the, the combination of the, you know, drums, bass, guitar, just everybody's unique voice coming together like that sounds so good. That I'm just like Gary Sharon, fine. Throw Gary Sharon in there. I don't care. I just yeah. I just love the way that those dudes played together. And that's so that's my thing. It's like sure, I'll take Roth and Hagar and Sharon as long as those dudes are all playing in the band together behind them, then I am perfectly cool with whatever. So 
as far as I'm concerned, Van Halen, you know, Eddie is the star, you know, really, next to David Lee Roth. However, that has to be top three rhythm sections in rock ever. Oh, absolutely. Michael Anthony and Alex Van Halen. What an absolute juggernaut of a band to be able to turn around and say, yeah, we got this... uh, guitar hero and this insane front man yeah oh and uh, by the way the drummer and the bassist are just as fucking cool but I, like well, I mean, I, you know very recently yeah. I, I get so upset at <sighs> it's mostly tiktok because fuck that app i hope that i hope that our i hope our government gets rid of it but um <laughs> <laughs> but the uh people will just constantly make music joke videos when they have like very limited knowledge about a band and so i saw one where guys like this is michael anthony on every van halen song it's just him going boom 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 and i'm just like that's one song please please dive deeper into their fucking catalog and hear how amazing that dude is on on bass guitar (laughs) a right a that's one song and b Vocally, he fucking carries oh, shit, so yeah. many of the high harmonies in Absolutely. their songs. I mean, listen to Hot for Teacher and tell me his voice isn't fucking incredible. But also, like, also, there's something to be said about knowing that a particular song, all it needs is boom, boom, boom. If you are that kind yeah. of bass player where you can just play some fucking funky shit or get some good groove going and you know when not to do any of that shit, then you are a great bass player, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Playing the bass is not about... It's not always about being Cliff Burton and and having your shreddy moment across all all fucking songs. But even even Cliff Burton would would play right along with the riff if that's what the song needed. where, Where I was headed with that, though, is like, people have this idea that simple bass lines are boring. It's like, motherfucker, mm-hmm. that's what makes people move. Bass is the rhythm section. Dude, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes a simple-ass bass line is the iconic part of a song. Like, like, like yeah. listen to this one. I'm like, there's nothing to that. I can play that. Yeah. It's iconic. <laughs> yeah. You know? So if you want to di- if you want to dissect it further, I mean, think about it. Queen could absolutely right write these progressive rock opuses. Yeah. But do, do you know what people love from them? Boom, boom, <laughs> yeah. Boom, you know. Dun, 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 literally, dun, literally, dun, 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 dun. it's like we will rock you. Literally, no band plays for the most of the song. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and then it's just a guitar. <laughs> oh man, Queen! Like, I love how they stomped and clapped. They were great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and this is coming from two guys who love Queen, but it's Queen's, like, yeah, Queen's great. One, one, yeah. Once again, another band we will eventually get to. We have so many iconic bands yeah. to get to. And uh, we will be getting to a couple of those this year, but there's still a lot. A lot. Well, we, we've knocked out one of the Q bands, so, you know, that's a very short list that yep. will rapidly be whittled down to Queen. Um, okay, we, we did Queensryche recently is, is what I'm trying to Why are you at. saying it like it's a secret? <laughs> I don't know. It's just it, Q feels like a weird, weird... Um, letter it's always sat strangely with me i don't know i just I pass it in the alphabet i don't trust it 
It's a weird-looking backwards P that also looks like an O with a line through it when you fucking... I don't know. See, that you start it's, talking about stuff like that, and that makes my mind explode because I start thinking about who designed the way that the letters look and why did everybody agree that that's how the letters look? Where did this start? I just It just blows my... And it's like, okay, well, the line, it looks like this, but why is it pronounced Q? Who decided that it's pronounced Q? Q. Wait, yeah. <laughs> it's like there's no. I might as well be smoking a joint right now with all that shit. But I mean, it's like that. <laughs> may, that I I have to stop myself from really thinking about. Oh my god! Like everything that you think of had had to have a starting point where somebody yeah. said, "This is what it is." <laughs> you know. Yeah. You know what I think's bullshit? Nine. Yeah. Just a backwards six. Why does it have to Fucking be the loser. same thing as as no in German? <laughs> <laughs> that like came to me the other day. I just thought to myself, "Wow." So I looked at the I looked at the number sixty nine, and I thought, "Wow, they really got lazy with nine. <laughs> but, but also, it's, with some of these, it's like, "Oh, yeah. look, look, this is a, this is the letter P." Or right, now we need an R. All right, just draw a line right there. <laughs> <laughs> Or well, how like lazy is that? With, or like when they came up with Z or 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 Z, Z. As, as as you guys would call it, yeah. you know, it's like, uh, we'll just make a pointy S. Yeah, uh, you know, it's like, oh, but have it face the other way so they don't get confused. Yeah, it's it, yeah. It, it's Z over here in America. If you say the word Z, we all go Z's dead, baby. Z's dead. <laughs> <laughs> That's an American. That's ace. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah! Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, Van Halen two. Van Halen two. Van Halen two. Amazing album. Kicks ass. So yeah, you, so you're probably right. There is one album that we also were going to match up on, but I don't know if they'll be in the same spot. So let's find out mm. right fucking now. Okay, uh, here's the one that I don't think is on your list, uh, and my number two is Hydra by Toto. No, not on my list, but it was considered because I do like things about that album. Mm. And longtime listeners will know that I'm a huge Toto fan, and this album is extremely underrated as a 70s rock album. Yeah. You know, from the proggy one-two punch of Hydra and St. George and the Dragon to the chill songs like 99 and Mama to the hard rocking songs such as All Us Boys and White Sister, it's... Awesome stuff. It needs more attention. It's kind of overshadowed by the debut, which has um, Hold the Line on it, best song of all time. Which was in um, both of our top tens for that year. Yes. Yeah. And, um, I mean, it's just a, it's a fantastic, it's a fantastic album. So much so that I tripped over my own tongue trying to talk about it. Yeah. Um, it's, it, you know, let me, let me do a quick little bit of, quick little bit of looking yeah, so it's like the sixth album in on Spotify on the popular releases thing. It's like way below four. Yeah. But, I mean, four is one of those albums where it's like every every song hit it out of the park, you know. It's their Michael Jackson thriller, which, it, it is. which is funnily enough, they played on Michael Jackson's thriller, didn't they? And is the it? albums, and they came out the same year. Yeah. Like, imagine, 
Imagine the fucking royalties that they raked oh, in. Oh yeah, that what's, year. It, what's that main like, dude from Steve? What's Steve, his name? Steve Lukather. Imagine the fucking pile of money. He, he doesn't was need sat to work ever again. He's probably still yeah. earning money from Thriller and Toto Four or whatever for for the rest of his life. So yeah, imagine like that's that's one of those things where I think to myself that's the music equivalent of winning the lottery, having a smash hit album that hard. And session playing on another, well, session playing on the best-selling album of all time. Yeah. You're, you're set for life. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's incredible. Um, but with that... And here, and here we are doing know. this shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in the wrong business. But yeah. Uh, it's, it's great. It's a great album. Uh, one that I think deserves a lot more recognition than it gets. Yeah. I agree. Go check out our Toto ranking uh, where you get to hear me pretty much blind going into ranking Toto and becoming a a pretty big fan, especially of the first album. I really liked the first album. Um, But yeah, um, on on to my number two, which uh, we we did not match up on this album because my number two is Dynasty from Kiss. And I'm assuming Uh. this is probably your number one. Um, it, it, might, but I, it might well be. <laughs> I love this album. Don't get me wrong, but my number one is an album that like literally just just steamrolled its way to the front and just said "fuck all of you." Um, but <laughs> Kiss Kiss Dynasty is great. I love you know. I was made for loving you is a great song. Anybody says, um, and it's one of those things that once again is very annoying for people with like limited knowledge. And so they'll say, Oh, dynasty, that's that disco album. I'm like, no, it's uh, a, a song. You, maybe yeah. you could say dirty living has a little bit of a disco vibe to it. But, um, but other than that, it's a fucking rock album with some fucking amazing songs on it. And, um, I the, you, sure, yeah. sure. know something is one of my favorite kiss songs. So I mean, push like at a push this album is like 20% disco right that is the most disco on the album like if if you looked at it data wise the rest of it is kick ass hard rock but the one and thing like, that you, the one thing that you have to remember too is nobody asked for a kiss disco song and it could have gone completely horrible for them the way that like music from the elder did but they yeah. just lit it, like Paul Stanley just wrote a disco song and it was a huge hit <laughs> so yeah. Good for them. Whatever. Absolutely. I mean, I, I'm gonna. Should I just jump right off of that? Because yeah, my yeah. We'll just have a discussion because your your number one is Kiss Dynasty. So let's just start talking about it. Yeah, people love to give this album shit for its very small, you know, foray into disco with one main song and a subtle hint of it in another deeper cut. The rest of this album, I mean. This is the album with fucking Hard Times on it. Hard Times is great. Is that a disco song? No, no. it's like basically a heavy metal song, you know? I just, um, I, I think that, um, God damn it, I had, I had a thought and then it, and it went away. I had something really good then, but it's, it's gone. It's gone now. <laughs> um, what was, I, well, I don't know what I was about. Oh, I was going to say that I, I, I'm going to go on record and say that I don't think disco is awful. I thought there's some disco that I really like, but I think the problem is like with a lot of fads, it got overblown and there was too much sort of bullshit disco and it was everywhere. Saturation killed it. But there is such, there is some really great music that came out of the disco era. But so I have, you know, so I've never, but that's just one of those things where I think some things have been assigned 
this way that you're supposed to feel about it. And people mm-hmm. that have surface level music knowledge and surface level interest in music, nothing wrong with those people because they have other things in their life. We don't. With you know, music, group think mentality. M- music is the number one thing. And so once when music is your life, you find yourself thinking about things in a a way more realistic way and personal way. And so you're not just, oh, you can't just tell me disco sucks and I'm not going to repeat it to the world. I'm going to make my yeah. own decisions about these things. And so, yeah, disco's got some good shit. One of those songs being I Was Made For Loving You by Kiss. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I mean, like looking at the track listing, though, I mean, I Was Made For Loving You, huge, great hit, great way to open an album. The cover of 2000 Man, you know, I really like it. Yep. Sure No Something is a, Sure No Something is incredible. I love that song. That's a fucking amazing song. Like Dirty Living, again, is also a little bit disco-y, but people always make it out like they went, dropped their guitars and made a fucking ABBA record. (laughs) They didn't. They didn't do that. They made one, you know, and it's still got a rock instrumentation. It just so happens that they're playing a a disco song. Yeah. But like, you know, to to me, this album, I mean, Magic Touch, Hard Times, X-Ray Eyes, Save Your Love, this is as classic as the rest of their 70s material. S- in Save Your Love does have those backing vocals that I think is like some of the laziest save written backing your vocals. Love. Yeah. Save it. Save it. Save it. Yeah. <laughs> like, Come on, guys. You could have done a little bit better than that, right? Yeah. <laughs> also, is is this is this when Peter Chris stopped playing drums on Yeah, I don't albums? think he plays on that. I think it's uh yeah. Why do I want to say Anton Fig? Is it Anton Fig? It's Anton Fig. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it's Anton Fig. But, uh, um, yeah. But, like, come on. I, I know it's off the heels of the um, solo album debacle, you know, where half of them are really well-liked and the other half are pretty maligned. <laughs> yeah. We did, um, we did an episode where we combined all of the Kiss f- solo albums into one badass album. Go Go check that one out as well if you haven't. Yeah, good old, good old slashed and mashed for you. Mm-hmm. But uh, I mean, I don't get what people's problem is with Dynasty. I mean, you know, I'm even well, a their, firm. Their problem is they're of, comparing it to to classics, you know, like from the earlier catalog. And once again, yeah. I, I think it's because you and I are perfectly cool and enjoy when bands try different things. And I think a lot of people yeah. don't want that. They want the same thing over and over again. And Dynasty has a lot of not the same thing on it. So yeah. Oh, but like, here's the thing as well. When, when they when they did that cover of then she then she kissed me or or then he kissed me, like that's more egregious to me than than doing a disco song. I mean, I agree. Fuck. <laughs> like, like, like if if anything should have like you know in the grand scheme of things been a massive ding to their reputation, it should have been that. But like, and you know, I'm, I'm not saying I hate it. I'm just saying. It feels a lot that, more that might cheesier. Be, that might be way down <laughs> at the bottom of like my least favorite kiss thing is that cover of when she, with the when she kissed me song. Yeah, it's uh, it's fine, but whatever. Yeah, yeah, I can't hear that song without thinking of the opening of of Adventures in Babysitting. <laughs> like every time, every time I hear that song, I just I just see Elizabeth Shue singing it to herself in her bedroom. Um, but that being said, I mean to to me. This may have been a difficult time 
for the band, but songwriting wise, it's great. Yeah, I would even go as far as to say I even like Unmasked. Unmasked oh, yeah. may have a like un. Unmasked may have a slightly neutered production, but the songs are fucking great. Oh, yeah, I know. Um, I love Unmasked. And I love Music yeah. from the Elder. I love every Kiss album. Even the ones that I don't think are very good, I also love those Kiss albums because I just love Kiss. I love Kiss yeah. the, like almost as much as I love Metallica. It's almost. Not we, quite. We are we are shameless Kiss fanatics. <laughs> yeah. and, and, you know, there, there's been times where, you know, if there weren't so many fucking kiss podcasts out there already killing it oh, i'd say hey you want to do this on the side you know like a pod of thunder sort of thing where you just do one song at a time i like that show we could we, um, we we should just double dip and do one that's kiss and metallica we'll just like yeah you know grab grab from both those <laughs> bands I, I don't know that's we've got so much shit on our list and like we don't nobody ain't nobody got time for that <laughs> yeah yeah we've we've we, the, the beautiful thing about us was we, we were like right from the gate we, we, we were like ah, let's just rank don't worry about specifically who it's about you're only going to pigeonhole yourself you might as well just go what do you got yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. throw it at me and I'll rank it um, but yeah my, my number one Dynasty by Kiss it's a fucking great album and it, I, it agree. Doesn't, I agree it doesn't deserve the um vitriol people give it it's a, it's a disco album not allowed to like it fuck off <laughs> man we, did, we didn't get into rock and roll for rules man yeah I, I always like to think of uh, every time you say that now I think of that uh, Blackie Lawless interview where he just goes I got into rock and roll to get my dick sucked <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you got you got to hand it to him. He's a, he was an, that was an honest answer right there. Uh, I mean, you know, who doesn't really? <laughs> I mean, I, I I'm That's one of those a, I'm one of those weirdos. I can I can honestly say I got into it for the music, man. Oh yeah, but it's, it, for me, for me, it was very much a, a dual purpose affair. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it does have its benefits, doesn't it? Um, Absolutely. So, uh, so yeah, your number one Kiss <laughs> Dynasty. I love that album. It did not make my number one because there was an album that I knew was going to be in my top ten, and yeah. I knew would probably be in my top five. And I went to listen to it again, and not only does it hold up amazingly well, it's nothing but fucking fantastic songs. The songs that used to give me chills almost bring me to tears now. How fucking good they are. And it's one of the only concept albums I think is any fucking good. My number one is Pink Floyd, The Wall, and yes, fantastic fucking album. I, because I knew that it was good. Like I'm a Pink Floyd fan, but not a huge Pink Floyd fan. And this is an album that I've known ever since I was a kid, backwards and forwards. I listened to The Wall so much when I was young. You know, especially around the time that I first saw the movie. I, I loved the movie, and so I listened to the album a lot too. And. So it's one of those things where it's almost like it's lived with me for so long that I kind of take it for granted how fucking good it is. So yeah. when I went, I went back to it again and like not only did I know every word to every song, but I'd had a, enough of a break from it to where the transitions into certain songs, I just go, oh, my God, this is so fucking brilliant. Like if you make something like this, you, I would just quit forever 
because you're never going to do anything that good. And none of them mm. ever did anything as good as The Wall. The Wall literally ended. Pink Floyd made some okay albums. Roger Waters made some okay albums. But none of them, that's literally, they literally created this thing that's so fucking amazing and, and still today is just as impressive that yeah. I... It has to be. It had to be my number one because I was just blown away about how, how much I was just like, wow, this is still sounds just as amazingly well written and performed and sequenced, and it, it's one of those rare things because I, I, we talked about this on the Queensrÿch episode about how most of the time concept albums, the concept just goes right over my head because it's not laid out in a very clear way, whereas hmm. this one. Maybe because the concept is pretty simple, and maybe because they made a movie. But um, but I just think it's so well done from beginning to end. And I mean, like, and I I I challenge anybody if you sit down and listen to the wall when you get to like the the climax of it with the trial. If that doesn't give you fucking chills in that song, and I you may you may not be alive. Um, so yeah. Amazing album, Pink Floyd, The Wall. Um, arguably their best album. It, I don't think it's my favorite Pink Floyd album, but it, fuck, it's it's one of those ones that's a classic and it's overplayed on on album rock radio, and I absolutely understand why. And also, also on top of that, they literally put together this fucking big ass concept album that's really long, and you know, re you really have to like you know dig into it. And it still had a fucking like a top ten single <laughs> off of it, so yeah. Kudos to uh, Roger Waters and uh, David Gilmore and Nick Wright and uh, the other guy, <laughs> or is it Nick? I fuck, I don't know their other names. Um, but yeah, I, I love that this album. So it had to be my number one. Pink Floyd, The Wall, tear down Fair. the wall. Um, all right. So nice. there you go. 1979. Um, yeah, that was fun. We we had, we had some interesting things. Is there anything in particular that you left off that you want to mention? Like I said at the start, you know, this is, yeah, I'd say The Wall, you know. Comfortably Numb is one of the greatest guitar solos of all time. You know, I, was, I know that's... It goes without saying. It's a very, you know, stating the obvious kind of thing to say. But, like, Pink Floyd is another band that I, I need to dive way deeper into. I've, you know, heard the heard the big albums. What is it? Dark Side of the Moon quite a few times. I've heard Wish You Were Here a, a few times. But oh, The Wall is the next one I need to really dive into. Yeah, everything I've heard off it rules. Honestly, um, from the first album, which is very different with Sid Barrett, if you just yeah. go go through all the way to the wall, because they did one more album, they did the final cut after that, but it's just not it's not that great. Um, but mm. everything in between, just the the building of the band and the experimentation of what they were doing, it, it's and then 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 them kind of almost hitting this this plateau that was like this grand open space once once they got to dark side of the moon wish you were here and they just started perfecting this kind of sound that they were doing and um yeah they're, yeah, they're, a, they're, they're a great band and und undeniably but uh yeah it is it is kind of funny that you put on 
you know, if you put on Pink Floyd, The Wall, and it ends with like the trial and it's a really fucking amazing song. And then you go back to the very last song on their very first album and it's, I've got a bike, you can ride it if you like. It's got a basket, a bell, and lots of things to make it look good. I'd give it to you if I could, but I borrowed it. Anyway. <laughs> and that song That's is called, that song great. is called Bike. Um, nice. Anyway. <laughs> Dude, like, there's something about, like, prog bands of the late 60s and early 70s. It's just so fucking wild, you know? Yeah. You'd um, never hear that now. I mean, you, you probably would, but you'd have to look for it. But that's that's awesome. That, I would love I like to do that. Like, a cover of Bike. That'd be fucking great. But I would I would want you to do the vocals so you can do a proper English accent on top of it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, wait. Let's have a quick let's have a quick quick look at this. How long is Bike? It's a bit short. It's a short ender. Okay, where's where, where would you say that 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 vocal part? Top Bike. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That is the most British thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> Just the deadpan delivery of like... Yeah. Yeah. And literally the second verse, if I remember right, is... Uh, I've got a mouse <laughs> and he hasn't got a house. I don't know why I call him Gerald. <laughs> it's fucking great. Yeah. <laughs> oh. That's for our you just know, You just know some dude... Ate shrooms and it was Sid Barrett. Just, he ate some shrooms. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, what I was gonna say is, you just know that someone was listening to that and they had this like epiphany. Like, uh, meanwhile, he's singing about having a mouse called Gerald, <laughs> and this, while this dude's on another astral plane discovering what empathy truly is. And it's like, <laughs> to be fair, I'd rather I'd rather hang uh, out with the guy that has a mouse called Gerald because I think that's fun, more fun. Um, oh, absolutely. Anyway. On that note, let's get the fuck out of here. And then uh, n- uh, next uh, next week, we're back to ranking another band yes. discography. A one a one part episode. We're getting more modern and a lot heavier. Mm. So um, and that that'll actually be a really interesting ranking for for me because they. Sorry, I was just going to say they're say. A, they're a band that I only know a few albums from, so it'll be kind of cool. To really dive into all their stuff, should should we should we tell them who it is, or shall I give them a little teaser? You, you know, think think nineties. Here, think if you're if you're a really big fan of this band, this will give it away. <clears throat> what I thought was life came to an end. Okay, <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, it's it's an alliteration. <laughs> And uh, they Foo really, fighters. really, they <laughs> <laughs> they really like Terminator Two. Um, they, they, indeed, so yeah. they do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, that'll be happening uh, next time. Um, and and uh, yeah, a peanut butter platypus to all of you out there uh, for listening and for being here. And it, I, it still blows me away the people that still occasionally send me a message saying, "Oh, I'm just catching up on some of your episodes," and it, it, I, I sometimes forget that all the stuff we've done is just out there and occasionally mm. people are still just enjoying all of these things that we've done. And it's been, you know, we're on our fourth year now of doing it. 
Is it really yeah. my fourth year now of doing it? Yeah. 2023. Yeah. So, yeah. So it's, it's just cool that we're, that we, you know, have new fans and we've got people that are, you know, have been st- sticking with us every episode and other people that just go back and, and, and enjoy our shit. So we thank you all for, uh, for being here. And, um, yeah, that's it for this episode. Do you have any parting words before we go? Um, sorry, I did a burp and, and had a, that was, had bad, a that was bad timing earlier. on my part. <laughs> yeah, no, it's okay. It's, it's all right. Yeah. The, uh, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm happy with this one. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Okay. Me likey. On that note, <laughs> thank you very much for being here. We'll see you next time on Cranked and Ranked. And as usual, I'm going to throw it over to Mr. Eddie Sparks to take us out. What I thought was life. <laughs> Something later, dude. <laughs> see, now you, can't, now you can't do that outro next time. No, no. All right. Bye, everyone. I'm just going to go. I'm just doing something like that. That's not. Later, dude. I don't know. I'm running out of them. Shit. I'm going to stop saying them. Yes. All right. It's not prong, though. Okay. And then so we're actually done now. If you're still watching this, go home. We're cutting it right here. Ready? And. Ready?